0: We're in the imprecatory psalms in this study that uh, there there are a lot of these psalms. I have realized as I've gone and started this series back a few months ago. And uh, we're looking at the uh, psalms that declare or call out for the justice of God. uh, Many of these being the psalms of David. And we'll read a little bit about that again tonight as we look at Psalm 52. Last time I think we were in Psalm 40. And as we go through these, these are uh, reminders. These psalms remind us of the justice of God and the mercy of God. And we'll find that in these, often as they are titled imprecatory and that they're categorized that way, meaning to sort of call down judgment and to, uh, to, to request that from God. That's sort of the background of these psalms. Um, they, they aren't solely about that. There really, you have some of the the verses that are imprecatory in nature, but then turn right around and talk about the mercy of God, and the uh, goodness of God. And this is one of those psalms as well that reminds us of that. And it's a psalm that reminds us that in the end, the Lord always wins. And I'm thankful for that because if you get your eyes solely on this world, it is a discouraging place. It is a place of fear. It is a place of heartache and turmoil. And all the things that go with a sin-cursed earth, but if we give it our, give our eyes, our heart as well, uh, toward the Lord, uh, you can't you can't remain here very long in discouragement. You really can't. And so we're going to pick that up, reading in Psalm fifty-two, beginning in verse one. And the title of this, which is just a, a, a title by the editors of the uh, the Bible here uh, of the English Bible it says the end of the wicked and the peace of the godly and that's the two that are compared to here and then the uh, part of this this was written it says to the chief musician a contemplation of david when doag the edomite went and told saul and said to him david has gone to the house of Ahime- ahimelech and so that is the setting of this we'll talk about that in a moment but let's read the scripture first of all psalm 52 verse 1 Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? The goodness of God endures continually. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor, working deceitfully. You love evil more than good, lying than speaking righteousness. Your love, or you love, all devouring words, you deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy you forever. He shall take you away and pluck you out of your dwelling place and uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, Here is the man who did not make God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God, I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise you forever because you have done it. And in the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name for it is good. Lord, we would certainly echo that in that you are good. And we are here tonight gathered in the hope of the presence of God, in the hope and the expectation of the fact that Lord we're going to be with you forever in peace. And Lord even now as this world throws so much toward your people. We ask God that you might be you might strengthen many, encourage in, in these days and Lord that you would draw people to yourself as only you can. So teach us tonight again out of your word. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen. We come to this psalm and as David, or the the subtitle of it, which is part of the composition of the psalm, and it would be understood that the setting of this was during the time when David is thinking about this man Doeg is his name, and he was an Edomite, and it was the time when David had uh, gone to the house of Ahimelech, and I'm not going to go and read that section, but if you want the context of that, that's First Samuel 21 verses 1 to 9, and then chapter 22 of 1 Samuel, verses 6 to 23. And there, you remember, as David was sort of on the run, he he was not installed as king, he was still, he was really fleeing Saul. Uh, His men, all these men that were with him, they were hungry, and they went to the priestly house of Ahimelech, and they asked for something to eat. And David asked for bread, and he was given the showbread that was uh, there Uh, used in the ceremony of the Lord or the services of the Lord and it was changed out regularly with hot fresh bread and they used that uh, bread that had been given for that purpose to feed or in this case to feed David there was a man there named Doeg and he was um, one of those guys that was sort of one of Saul's minions I guess is the way you would put it and he was uh, he's described as an Edomite that means he came from Edom, and if you know anything about the kingdom of Edom or the Edomites, they came out of the lineage of Esau. All right, back there in Genesis, you had Jacob and Esau, and remember, uh, Jacob was the favored son. Esau was the one who sold his birthright for a mess of pottage, as it says in Scripture. He he uh, sold it for a meal. Essentially, he did not care for the things of God, and God calls him a profane man because of that. He took the things of God and he just threw them away. That's the kind of man Esau was, and the kingdom that came out of him was the Edomites. And Doeg was an Edomite. He was probably just like his founder is what he was. And you read in that what took place is that Doeg goes back and gets word to Saul that David had been to this priest's house, the house of Himelech, and Saul goes and he finds Himelech and in that city, it's Nog, I believe is the, the town, and the area. And he has Himelech, his household, including the women and children of that, of that little place, killed. Because he hated David, and Himelech had given aid to David. And he was just being a kind man, is all Ahimelech was doing. He also was recognizing that, ki- that David was the rightful king. Because remember, it was Samuel that had anointed David as the next king over Saul. and Saul didn't want to believe it and didn't want to step aside. Saul believed he was a very important king and, and he was more important than God. And Doag was the same way. He was a man that believed he was more important than God and God's plans. And as David is thinking on this, I can sense the anger that has risen up in his heart when he sees this terrible, tragic, tragedy of injustice that takes place. Not only is David the rightful king, and that's the truth, but Saul will not submit to that, and Doeg does Saul's bidding. And anyways, this man, by his words, had this whole bunch of people killed by doing that. That would burn within your heart to think and contemplate, contemplate on those things that's the backdrop for this psalm and David pours his his heart out before God and he calls for the justice of God and the really the vengeance that is due these uh, this individual Doeg and most likely Saul as well but he leaves that with God and he can't remain there too long he talks about the mercy of God and the goodness of God in the middle of all that because God is always good every day all the time every instance god is good isn't he well he was much like esau was and um, if you know anything about uh, the comments remember we talked about the this morning that the bible is its best commentary it really is and if you can follow someone through scripture and you say well what was esau like well we know what he was like and the this edomite uh, Doeg would have been much like him and we read in chapter 12 of hebrews in the new testament this The writer there says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Now that's a powerful statement, isn't it? Holiness. You cannot see the Lord without holiness. Now that's not only an action of, certainly we think of often uh, holiness as something that we pursue and, and engage in and work toward. But holiness in the aspect of this is also that righteousness that is put on our account. And, you know, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you are declared righteous. The word is justification or justified. And that means that you're holy before God. He also wants us to act on that holiness and to live that out and to put away those works of the flesh, right? I mean, he goes on to say this, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Because there are some that do that. They Maybe practice some religious movement or they do certain sacraments or certain, you know, rituals, those kind of things. But they fall short of the grace of God because they don't truly believe. And they don't truly repent from their sin. And when they come to that conclusion, there is no space for them to repent. And I would say Doeg was such a man. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled. What happened in 1 Samuel chapter 22 there is that Doag, who was upset that David had come to Ahimelech and gotten bread, he has his words, he, he spoke the truth, but he did so in uh, trying to snare David, and he has these people killed. Sometimes one person like Saul, who had a bitter spirit within him, can bring a lot of defilement, can it? And that's something that as a believer, we always had to watch out. That we don't let a root of bitterness take hold of us. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau. How did God view Esau? He viewed him as a profane person. A profane person is someone who doesn't take the things of God seriously. He, he tramples on those things. Sometimes it's using his name in profanity, right? Uh, we would you know, call that taking the lord's name in vain or something but it's it's even beyond that it's a lifestyle and then you think about it you don't have to go too far to find people around us that live a profane lifestyle they take no regard for the things of god they take no regard really for their fellow man and they don't take regard for the institutions of god either you know and i think of that often when i come to a, a world in that i'm in now and you're in now that for instance takes marriage as a very light thing and and throws it aside often in the sense that they don't even see it's important and why even get married that kind of thing that that's living profane when you're that's just one example of many that we see because it cheapens the institution the holy institution of god or you redefine marriage for example and say you know Two men being married together is the same as a man and a woman being married together. No, it isn't at all. All right? You may live in a country where that's legal and it's considered legal under man's law, but it's not right under God's law by any means or his uh, ordinance in that. And and I I use those as an example because Esau was such a person. He sold, it says, for one morsel of food, sold his birthright. That birthright was something that God had for him and he was profane enough to say, I don't care. And when he wanted, as the next verse, look what it says. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. You see, there's a danger in the profane person in that this They keep the things, or they take the things of God very lightly. And then, in the end, they're sorry for what they've done, but they don't find room to repent. That's a a bad place to be. And that's exactly what happened with Esau. Uh, That's what happened with Judas Iscariot. Remember, he felt bad that he had betrayed innocent blood. He attempted to come And to give the money back, and the money was not taken, it was blood money, it was taken and bought a field uh, for uh, basically uh, poor people's burials, and uh, a potter's field. And he took that which he had, or whatever, and he sought repentance, Judas, but he did not find it, did he? The evidence of that is that he went out and killed himself. His repentance was a sorrowful repentance. In that he felt bad for what he had done. But he did not mingle that with faith. And Esau was like that. And Doeg was like that. And Saul was like that. And David is contemplating on these things. Thinking on these things. And and he thinks about the God of heaven. In the middle of that. Well there are some things here. Some scenes that David paints. These contrasting scenes. The first one is that sinners are boasting and we live in a world where there's lots of sinners boasting right there's lots of evil people boasting in their evil and i can just say this they won't always get away with it look what it says why do you boast in evil O mighty man the goodness of god endures continually here someone boasting in their sin and in evil and practicing evil but the overshadowing thing is that god is still good And he's still in control. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor working deceitfully. And you see there that that's exactly what went on in 1 Samuel 22 where it's recorded. And Doeg sought out the destruction of these that helped David during that time and that helped his men. And they did that. He says, you love evil more than good. Lying rather than speaking righteousness. And I see that all the time. I don't know if you do. I think you do. When you see someone, uh, you know, some leader somewhere, some important person in the world's affairs, and they delight in doing evil, and when there's an opportunity to do good, they don't. Or they reject it, or they call it evil. Beware of those kind of people. Isaiah says, beware of those who call evil good and good evil. And we ought to be aware of that, because they're on the wrong side of God. He says, you love all devouring words, you deceitful tongue. They love to devour people with their words. We're run in our country by, by lawyers, okay? Everything's run by lawyers, just so you know. I mean, I'm not going to pile on the lawyers. There are some good lawyers out there that they When you need a lawyer, you need a lawyer, Right? But what are lawyers good at? Finding the right words of the law to be able to use those to the benefit of themselves and their clients and whatever else. And they do that. And they often twist those things in favor of whatever, in deceit. But they use it with words that devour. Oh, there's lots of that going on today in all those things. And it's not just the lawyers, by the way. There's lots of people that manipulate others with their words. And they do that. Lawyers are just better at it. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say with that. And I I hope, you know, I don't think anybody here has a law degree. But if you do, it's okay. And I have some uh, people I know that are lawyers and they're decent people in that. But beware of those kind of people that can take a word and twist it around and lie. Because that's their their intention is to be deceitful with those things. He goes on uh uh, you know, talking about this very thing. And by the way, as those that are evil are practicing that, David remains committed to relying on the mercy and the goodness of God. That's what verse 1 says. He says, the goodness of God endures continually. David was staking his claim on that very fact that God is like that. And in verse 8, he says, I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. So even as David is sort of hitting these hard Parts of his world, and he goes right back to where there is shelter, and referring to the Lord that has been the one who gives him mercy and will give him that. Uh, in that, Doeg sort of thought he was a big shot, and yet we are reminded here from Psalm fifty-two that that he would get his just deserts, right? Uh, in that, Psalm. By the way, the psalmist wrote this in several places. Psalm 5.9 talks about those that uh, have like tongues like razors, as he describes in Psalm 52, and told lies and all that. Psalm 5.9 says, For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb. They flatter with their tongue. How many times I have had the hand uh, extended from a politician who says, ah, I have your best interest at heart. <laughs> yeah, right. You know. I don't care who you are. Sometimes those guys are, you know, some of them are in it for themselves. And, And I probably have had Christians do the same thing. Beware of that kind of person, right? Make sure that your hand is a hand of justice, right? A hand that is right. A hand that relies on the mercy of God. Psalm 55, 21, The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. There are many like that. They're ready to go on the warpath. Psalm 57, 4. My soul is among lions. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. What a description, right? As he uses these metaphors to describe... The way evil men are set on fire. And their teeth are right there ready to, to chomp as they do that. Uh, there are several other psalms I could turn to there. but um, The second part of this psalm. The saints are laughing. The saints are laughing. Well, you have sinners boasting, but saints laughing. You know, what is all that about? Well, uh, it's verses 5 to 7. Let's read it here. It says... God shall likewise destroy you forever. He shall take you away and pluck you out of your dwelling place and uproot you from the land of the living. Then he adds that pause, selah. Think about it. That's what it means. Look what verse 6 says. The righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, here is the man who did not make God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness the short paraphrased jack karen version of this is that in the end it's the saints that laugh last all right and it's a laugh of not just a a comical kind of thing where we laugh or make fun but it's it's kind of like saying ha there it is it finally came that, that great wicked person that was so evil and caused so much destruction, God had his day, right? And that man or that woman or that the sinner will not always be powerful and wealthy and those kind of things that so often um, cause us to wonder, right? We, the saints, shall laugh at him. And that's sort of that like I said, a a, a way to to laugh. Look at the way he says, look what he says. um, Verse 5. God shall likewise destroy you forever. Now that doesn't mean that somebody's annihilated. It's this, that they are in everlasting destruction in hell. That's the picture of what uh, Christ describes it. And hell is like that. It's a place of destruction and yet the soul, the never dies. The person remains forever in that state of destruction. Awful place. People need not go there, by the way, because Christ is willing to accept any sinner who will come to him by faith in repentance. He shall, look at the descriptions here, shall take you away and pluck you out of your dwelling place and uproot you from the land of the living. Those are the ways that the sinner will face the end of life by the way the righteous we may have death come and it may take us out of the land of the living but it's never in a way that is like this in judgment or justice and as god enacts it uh in this the idea here is that he takes them away to destroy them right yeah forever and it's going to be sudden that sounds very much like what jesus says when he says two shall be in the field and one will be taken and he's referring to there the taken in judgment um, beware now i know we all watched a thief in the night years ago and and that was used for the rapture but that really that verse didn't mean that like that it meant that that judgment will come like that somebody will be working in the field and they're remaining in their sin and god will take them wow suddenly Pluck them out of their dwelling place, uproot them from the land of the living. I think of that in the sense of people who are maybe practicing great evil, but they have great wealth and seemingly they're very prosperous and comfortable and all of that. Someday God's going to come and He's going to pluck them right out of that, and there isn't a bit of that, that would save them. God's not against your wealth or you know associating with that. That's all. That's all neutral stuff. It's how people use it, right? In this case, he'll have to uproot them from the land of the living. By the way, when you uproot a plant, it's bad for the plant, isn't it? It's not going to live. <laughs> and when God plucks people out of this world, it's the end. It'll be a humiliating kind of fall of the pompous leaders. That's what the laughing is all about in that. Psalm 91.8 says this, Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Now I like that verse because, and it's taught elsewhere, several places in scripture. The righteous will see the downfall of the wicked someday. I believe that the great white throne judgment that is talked about in the book of Revelation is something that will be visible for all, but only visible for the righteous, not experiential. We aren't going to be part of that in the sense that we have any fear we have any judgment any of that stuff we only see it and yet it is the reward of the wicked which is everlasting destruction right psalm 40 verse 3 he has put a new song in my mouth praise to our god many will see it and fear and will trust in the lord right we looked at that psalm here's another one that refers to says of the lord he who sits in the heavens psalm 2 4 shall laugh really the saints will laugh but god has the real final laugh doesn't he these people that think they're powerful and they commit their evil acts and they think oh i'm so powerful i can destroy these thousands of people or whatever millions of people think of adolf hitler for example who went and he he oversaw with his people you know six million jews being systematically killed and many more not just the jews there were many more others um, did terrible atrocities across the east you know eastern europe into russia um, did terrible things and yet he had his day and god had the last laugh and it was a serious laugh not not just something that god took lightly god breathes that last laugh Psalm 9, verse 15, The nations have sunk down in the pit which they made in the net which they hid. Their own foot is caught. You know what? For the sinner and for the evil one, their own traps that they lay for others will be their undoing. I thought of that um, back in 2020, uh, in just after Thanksgiving in Van Buren. I shouldn't use it, local illustrations, but it made the national news. There was a, a guy there in Van Buren who rigged a booby trap, as they call it, a, a handgun or a shotgun or something. I can't remember all the details of it, so that if someone opened his front door, they would get shot. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, he was the one that called 911 and said, I've been shot. He shot himself by accident. Well, it really, wasn't by accident. He set a trap. Don't know what he was thinking, but somehow he he ended up getting caught in his own booby trap, and he succumbed to his injuries. He never made it to the hospital. All right, he died, and and that's a tragedy. And I don't know what was going through that man, but it's really a picture in the sense that there. How many people today who are you know, they are plotting the death and destruction of righteous people. And yet, by those same, that way of plotting, he will, he will undo them. They will be caught in that same thing. Yeah, beware of that. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 24. He who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. When he speaks kindly, do not believe him, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed from before the assembly. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and he who rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. That's not a pretty picture. But that's the picture of someone who's laying in wait, lying in wait, and and he's he's, you know, hoping to roll a stone down on and it rolls back and kills him. And you see that kind of stuff. And then it goes on and it ends with this. A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it. See, lies go forth, but they also come back, don't they? And a flattering mouth works ruin. Well, lastly, you see the faithful are serving. Sinners are boasting, saints are laughing. Faithful are serving. And David reminds us of that. He says, but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God i trust in the mercy of god forever and ever i will praise you forever because you have done it and in the presence of your saints i will wait on your name for it is good you know it reminds us and again david uses this imagery of an olive tree which an olive tree actually olive trees uh, i understand they grow like for They can grow for hundreds of years you know, continue to grow. um, And they do that and they produce fruit throughout that whole time. And a green olive tree is a precious fruit bearing tree. David says, I'm going to be like that olive tree or I am like that olive tree in the house of God. And the secret is you're in the house of God, in the presence of God. He'll bear fruit forever and you'll be like that forever. Like an olive tree. That's what he he just refers to there in that. That reminds us of Psalm 1, verse 3. The righteous man, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. That's a verse to camp on, isn't it? And there's a lot more verses that deal with that. The flourishing of a tree or the fruit of a, of a tree likened to those who are righteous. And they bring, uh, bring that. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17, verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. What a beautiful picture. Jeremiah was living in one of the darkest times in history for believers. And he was literally watching a nation being taken away. And he was watching, uh, because of sin, is the reason, a drought that had come, a famine spiritually and physically in that land. And he reminds, the Lord reminds him that the righteous are going to be like a tree planted by the river and they i love what it says there and will not fear when heat comes listen for a believer who's who's rooted in the lord when the heat is turned up the fear does not drive you stay rooted and grounded in him its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought i I like that boy anxious huh do you worry Get firmly rooted in the Lord. Get in this book every day. If you're in this book, you know what? You're planted by a great river that'll never run dry. Wow. Oh, there's so much more there that could be said. Well, David reminds us there in verse 9. He says, I will praise you forever because you have done it. Referring to that God has has sorted out those things, the evil, and, and judged it. But he's done it, right? It's wrapped up. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And when God finally wraps it all up, it's done. It's finished. And in the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name, for it is good. And I like the word for waiting. Um, it's kawai, I guess, akawai in, in Hebrew. And it means to await with hope. To await with hope. David says, I'm waiting with hope. And that's where we stand, too. We, we stand waiting with hope tonight. I look at the world around me and drive by the gas pumps, and I go, oh, no, you know, like everybody else, and, and yet there's far worse problems in our world than the high gas prices. But all those bring a little of anxiety to people, right? And I think it's driving all kinds of problems going on. And you see the headlines, and you see that but I determined like David to wait with hope. Let's do that. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. And Lord, we thank you that as a believer, we'll be in your presence forever. And Lord, the, the wicked shall not always prosper. And you will have the last laugh. And we thank you for all of that in Jesus' name. Amen.